Have you, a friend, or family member ever considered writing a book and getting it published? Well, I have the perfect idea for you. You should contact Wasteland Press. Wasteland Press is a self-publishing book company, and since they started in 2000, they have published over 4,000 book titles. That's right, over 4,000 book titles, and they make money from your book, not you, and they work for you non-stop, full-time. You can sell your free copies when it's all said and done to make an investment off of your book, and there is no other publishing company that can offer that. They provide full-service publishing for you and your book, which includes the cover design and formatting. And they also have a plan that can fit your budget, which includes the basic plan, the silver plan, the gold plan, the platinum plan, and the ultimate plan. If you want to find out more about these plans, you can contact them at 502-437-0860. That's 502-437-0860. And if you want to request a publishing guide, you can contact them at wastelandpress.net. Do it. You won't regret it. Make your dreams come true with Wasteland Press. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Man Cave Sports Podcast. I am Tyler Goff, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Timothy Renfro. And, uh, you know, it's been like three months since we've done an episode. Uh, it's been a little hiatus. It's been a long summer, but, you know, we got football season right around the corner. So we definitely have to give a preview of the football season, of the upcoming college football season. Uh, take a, also take a look at our local teams in UK and UofL. And uh, to start off, though, I do think we have some uh, – there is some news in basketball recently. Just with today, Nafali Dante, who's a, a five-star center, just uh, decided today that he's going to reclassify to 2019, uh, and he chose Oregon uh, over Kentucky. And I, I was telling you this earlier. I think that – you know, not uh, – I think that, you know, it's really mind-boggling that he chose, not only that he chose Oregon over Kentucky, but it's been like the past three to four years, UK hasn't gotten that top guy, the elite of the elite player, especially centers. And looking at Cal's first years here, he got DeMarcus Cousins, he got Terrence, guys like Terrence Jones, Julius Randle, Anthony Davis. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Bam Adebayo, and uh, but he was a couple years ago. But I don't think he's on the level of someone like Anthony Davis. And I just I can't quite put my finger on what you know that shift where you know these centers are not choosing Kentucky. And, uh, and honestly, I think Cal his two strong suits as far as developing players are point guards and centers. We've seen this his whole 10 years that he's been at Kentucky. And I don't know why a shift has occurred where these players are, more specifically the centers, uh, five-star centers, are not coming to Kentucky. Yeah, I, I'm almost of the opinion that if if he went to Oregon, it's uh, that that's kind of outside of the usual teams you know, like Duke and Kansas and North Carolina and all that. So it's an interesting choice, Oregon, uh, the the Mighty Ducks. But uh, And like you said, I mean, if you go to Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, the top-tier schools, I, mean, I don't really – I don't mind that because they're top-tier schools, right? But you choose Oregon over Kentucky. And, you know, it goes back to last year uh, – Mamute he has Bowl. no connection to Oregon whatsoever. No, he's from he's from Can he played high school in Kansas. Okay. And well Kansas is one of his final teams, but ultimately it was between Oregon and Kentucky. Uh the reason Kentucky was what the reason I think Kentucky needed him is uh I you, for the most part Kentucky is too deep in every position. But the center's a little bit thin as far as we have uh E. J. Montgomery who's more than likely probably gonna play the power forward because that's his body type, and I think he's more of a power forward than he is a center. Even though he probably could play center if he want, if Cal needed him to. But we have Nick Richards, who's going to probably start at center. 
and grad transfer Nate Sestina, who's going to come off the bench. And I, you know, I believe in Cal, and I believe in the fact that I think EJ Montgomery is going to take. I really think. Um, I don't know if it's going to be PJ Washington esque as far as uh, his jump from freshman season to sophomore season. I sure as hell hope that. Uh, E.J. Montgomery turns into a P.J. Washington-type player. Well, not t- just a P.J. Washington-type player, but make the same jump that P.J. did. Boy, if that's the case, we're sitting pretty. I I, I, I really agree with that. And uh, E.J., he definitely he's a different player than P.J., but I think what we need from E.J. is to make at, at, as close as it can as a jump that from P.J. did from freshman to sophomore year. Um, PJ benefited a lot for, um, for saying another year. He wouldn't have been a lottery pick had he not stayed. Oh, no, no. And PJ worked on worked on and improved every facet of his game. From, you know, his free throw shooting, you know, even though that Auburn game last year, all that work on the free throw shooting didn't really help he, a whole lot. He wasn't a disappointment, but I think he kind of went from a eh to a really great player. Yeah, he he he... he he, he I was so he, he deserved to be drafted absolutely and PJ I you know his jump from freshman to sophomore year was you know he improved more than any other college basketball player I think who or he benefited the most from staying another year yeah and I think EJ I'm glad he decided to stay another year instead of going pro because I think I think EJ Montgomery can be a star on this team, I think he could be our leading scorer if he really wanted to. And the thing that he really didn't get to show off last year is he can actually shoot from the mid-range. He has, and he can block shots. He has, I think he has a skill set that a guard has where he can dribble the ball and make moves around the basket and to go along with his shooting. Um, but to go along, but go back to why we needed, why I think we kind of needed Nafali Dante I believe in Nick Richards. I hope he makes a jump. And, you know, his first two years here, Nick Richards has been kind of disappointing. He came in as a five-star recruit, but he hasn't really shown uh, what we know he can be. And he hasn't been the player that we needed him to be. But, you know, this upcoming season, in order for Kentucky, I think, to really be at the top of their game, they're really going to need improvement from Nick Richards. I mean, I, he doesn't have to score 20 points a game. We don't need that from him. But to – It's been a long time since we needed a player to score 20 points a game, yeah. too. Plus, there's other players that can do that for yeah. you. Uh, like Tyrese, Ty, uh, Tyrese Maxey. I'm really excited about him. He's going to be starting – I think he's going to be starting alongside Ashton Higgins next year at the at the shooting card position. I think he's going to be really good. But, Nick, we need him to improve. Not a whole bunch. I don't think – like I said, he doesn't need to – be scoring 20 points a game. Yeah. But at the same time, he needs to be that guy who can stay on the floor, make as little mistakes as possible. I mean, he's going to be a junior. He's going to have to be a leader on this team as well because he's one of the oldest players on the team or he's going to be one of the oldest players on the team. We need him to be a leader. We need him to be able to rebound the basketball. We're going to need him to be play really good defense as well in order for Kentucky to be at the top of their game. Uh, for next season. I think the key really is for defense. I think we have the offense. It's the defense. If it if it can be tough and, and knows the grind, I think we, we got a good chance this year to go go places. And like I was telling you this earlier. I think, you know, this upcoming basketball season, it's more a lot more open than it's been in previous years. We well we had the 2015-2016 season where it was really anyone's yeah, it was really anyone's title. Anyone could have won it. I mean, Villanova won that year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this year, I think is really up in the air. I don't think there's one team where you can say, "Hey, they're dominant more than anyone else." Yeah. You know, yeah. Last year, you could say you could say that for Duke. Yeah, there's, but see, and I think a lot of people in the know didn't think Duke was that dominant. They were good. But I don't think they were that dominant, plus the fact that they were in the ACC, too. Right. And, and like uh, I said, I think, you know, last year you could make that argument for Duke. But yeah. this year you don't – there's not a team where you can say, hey, you know, they're better Michigan than everyone. State. 
<laughs> yeah, you have Michigan State at one. And Michigan State's going to be a really good team. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, dominant, but I doubt. But if there's any year where Kentucky can make a deep run and make it to the Final Four and have a, you know, have the possibility to win a championship, it's going to be this year. And, I, I, you know, we didn't get uh, Kerry Blackshear, the grad transfer. We missed out on him. We didn't get Nafali Dante. I'm fine with that. You know, I wish they, I wish Kerry Blackshear would have chosen Kentucky. Yeah, I do too. I wish Nafali Dante would have come to Kentucky after Kerry uh, Blackshear decided to go to Florida. Yeah. You know, but either way, I'm still excited about our team. I think we have the team to make a deep run. I think we can be we have the team to be to stay consist consistently in the top ten for the whole season. Unless we have an injury, knock on wood. Yeah. That really affects our growth for the season and affects our team. Unless that happens, I think we're we under we're performance too. We're we are a team that's capable of staying in the top ten all year and a, a team that's capable of making it to the final four and uh capable of winning a championship. This is the, you know, you know, we'll go more in depth with the college basketball season once it gets closer and everything, of course. But this is the year where Kentucky has got to, I think, really has got to show, hey, we're still Kentucky and make it to the Final Four. Because we haven't made a Final Four since the 38-1 team. That is true. And, you know, after that, our teams have been okay. But, you know, the 2015-2016 team where Tyra Ewis was our uh, starting point guard that was a decent team but we just weren't I just don't think we were quite there to make a big run uh, we just haven't had the same team since that 38-1 team and the thing I'm most excited about is I was looking at an interesting article this upcoming UK basketball team has the fourth most returning minutes in the Cal era I think the first three are um that are in that category are uh, the John Wall team with DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, and then the 38-1 and team with Carl Anthony Towns and the Harrison Twins and all good, that. That's good company. That is definitely good company. And I definitely think there's a correlation when you have a whole bunch of – you have returning minutes coming back yeah. to mix along with the group of talented freshmen. I think that – you know, I think Cal is usually good with that. Yeah, some leadership too. Right, and we have – a junior on the team. We have another grad transfer. You know, I don't know about you, but I love grad transfers. You know, I don't, I don't without know. Reed last year, I don't know how far we would have yeah, gotten. That's true. Because Reed saved our asses a lot of the games last year. And, you know, I this grad transfer coming in, Nate Sestina, I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's as good as Reed, but he can shoot better than Reed. He shot 38% from the three-point line last year. And eighty percent from a free throw line, so I think you know. Hey, somebody can hit some free throws. That's always good, well, right? And I th well, the good thing about him is he can space out the four because he he can actually shoot from the three. Yeah. And this is going to be, I think, this is going to be a really different Cal team as far as the way he plays basketball, because this is um, we don't have a lot of tall players. Yeah, usually it's get it in, get it inside. And, right. And well, last year out. it was, you know, we played a half court ball. Oh, God. You know, throw it in to Reed Travis, throw it in to PJ. Uh, and, throw it in to PJ, and that's it. Rightfully, <laughs> you know, and rightfully so. But this year it's different. Our tallest player is 6'11, which is Nick Richards. Yeah. That's our tallest player. But we have guys, uh, freshmen coming in, Keon Brooks, who he's 6'7. But he has the he has the skills of a guard where he can slash, he can do a little bit of shooting, he can pass, he can do a little bit of everything. And some a guy who's been uh, whose name's been thrown around as far as summer workouts, um, freshman Johnny Juzang coming in this season. Uh, he uh, better shooter than people think he is, which I think is going to be good. I think we're going to need shooting, if, especially if we're going to play a small ball type of lineup, we're definitely going to need shooting. You know, uh, but Johnny Juzang is saying, you know, people are saying, hey, you know, watch out for this kid. He's going to think it's going to be more of a two forward, three guard situation. I think there's a possibly, um, you know, there's a definitely a possibility of playing three guards next year. 
I really I think like, I, I don't mind that at all. It's it's very different mm-hmm. than what we've seen in the past, but I think different is good too because your opponents haven't seen it before. They're not used to it. And a Kentucky team that can shoot the three and hit free throws is something that a lot of opponents haven't seen. And uh, they they definitely need that, I think. I, I think so, too. And, you know, a three-guard lineup is really different. Uh, Cal hasn't done that a whole bunch. But I think it's, it, with Cal, I think it could work because he always talks about positionalist basketball. And, like I said, this is going to be a year where Kentucky's really going to have to, you know, not prove themselves, but say, hey, we're, we can make it far and that we're going to be a good team. And this is the year where Kentucky needs to make a deep run, especially for the fans. You know, then, you know, after last year, fans were getting on Cal. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't trade Cal for anyone else. Who could you? You know, look at what Cal does for UK every single year. Every single year, they are pretty much in a title contention. Every single year. Every single year, they're bringing in five-star talent. And, you know, not a lot of teams do that. No. I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't trade Cal for anyone else because who you're going to get, who are you going to get that's going to do the same thing that Cal can? Yeah. Other than a coach that you wouldn't even have a chance of getting because they're going to, they have a storied career and, and all that. Yeah. And Cal Cal, just. Cal's definitely, I I think Cal is a very underrated coach. There are really some do. things that frustrate you, but that's yeah. every single coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, every single coach. Call a freaking timeout, Cal. The, yeah. <laughs> right. There's going to be coaches. There's Every single coach is going to have their flaws. One of Cal's flaws is he's a little stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, I was talking to you about, you know, last year, Jamal Baker, who is against Auburn. He's one of our, at the time, he was one of, uh, he was our best perimeter defender. He made one mistake. He fouled on a three-point shot. And looking back, at, looking back at it now, it was a BS call. Yeah. But Cal, you know, you could hear, you could see Cal say, "I'm not playing you for the rest of the game," and he didn't play him the rest of the game. Our best, one of our best perimeter defenders. Uh, and Auburn's guards killed us in that game. They did. So you know, Cal is a little bit stubborn. He likes to stick with the players that got him where he is or got him where they are at the point of the season. You know, going back to the 38 and one team, uh, didn't he, you know, after the Harrison twins had the shot clock violation. Yeah. Uh, he didn't put in Tyler Ewis. Didn't, uh, didn't put in Devin Booker. And looking back at now, looking back at that now, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of things you wished Cal would have done differently. Well, I mean, think of it this way. If one of the Harrison's twins just fouled somebody taking three, maybe he'd take them out, you know, and, and that's very similar that they he allowed them to mess up too much. You can, and, and they're I still mean, freshmen. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, if you didn't want to take out one, you could have just taken out the point guard Harrison twin, uh, which is Andrew. Yeah. And he could have put in Tyler Ewis because Tyler Ewis is a natural college point guard, in my opinion, or he was. Maybe give it to somebody inside the way it should have been. Carl Anthony Towns was destroying. He was he was, he was a beast in that game. game. I don't want to reflect too much on this. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I just, I just. Think anyways, that, you know, I think that definitely exemplifies what you're saying. And like I well. said, I, I don't. I would, like I said, I wouldn't trade Cal for anyone else because I love Cal, and you know he puts Kentucky in a good position every single year. You know, and the New Orleans Noel year, it wasn't really his fault. New Orleans Noel tore his ACL. But, you know, and they went down here after that. But, you know, anyways, I wouldn't trade Cal, like I said. And, you know, if there's any year where Kentucky can make a deep run, it's going to be this year because I think it's wide open. I think it's really up for grabs. And you could say the same thing for Louisville. Yeah. People are really high on Louisville this year. Yeah, but, I, again, that's – I. I think they need to temper that a little bit. They are. In I do too season. because, you know, if if Chris Mack, if Louisville underachieves this season and they get ten or more losses, fans are not going to be too happy. 
And I, I don't think th- if they get eight losses, they're unhappy. I really do. I just think Louisville expects to. They expect greatness the because of the days, you know, of the predecessor and Brett Pitino. Yeah. And you know, it's not fair to Chris Mack. He's still dealing with Pitino recruits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Nora, and um, I think you know. One last thing, and we'll and we'll get to football. Uh, Louisville, on paper, they should be a Final Four team. They have the talent to be make it that far, but they they have to put it together. Yeah. Because, like you said, they still have Patino players, and they have you know in that Duke game last year where they completely crumbled. And they gave up a twenty-three point lead against yeah. Duke. They didn't have a guy, a point guard who you know can slow down the pace of the game. And this year, I think they have that with grad transfer and Lamar Kimball. I think he can. I think he's a really good. Um, he's a. I can't remember where he came from or where he played at before, but um, I watched him. I did watch some of his highlights, and he's a. Last year, he played more of a shooting guard for his team. But the year before, he played point guard. But I think he's going to be a good point guard for Louisville as a good grad transfer. But, you know, like I said, on paper, Louisville ha- should make the Final Four. But, you know, it's a matter of them putting the puzzle pieces together. And Chris Mack's got to be the main guy in that. He's got to, you know, get this team together. And, you know, you have a tough conference in the ACC, you know, I don't think it's going to be – I think the ACC is going to kind of going to be down this year. And like I said, if there's any year where, you know, teams like, you know, Kentucky and Louisville where they can make a deep run, it's going to be Louisville. Or a team, you know, a year where a team like Louisville, it's going to be this year where they can make a deep run. Yeah, I think I agree with that. And um, I think UofL has a huge opportunity. I really do. But, again – you know, uh, Chris Mack's got to deal with Patino players that aren't the most disciplined people. In the world. I can't believe I'm saying that, by the way. You know, because back in his Kentucky days, they were very disciplined. But the U of L players got really lax in their discipline, and you know, obviously with the ensuing scandals and things like that, that had something to do with it. But at the same time. I think Chris Mack has definitely got a little bit of a load on his shoulders. I don't think it's like deal or no deal. You know, you got to produce. But I definitely think that he knows that when he pulls them into a huddle and they're blowing a 23-point lead. And say, hey, get your asses in shape yeah. or you're, we're going to blow this friggin' yeah. lead. And that, and Urgency. Yeah. You know, they have to have control. Yeah. Because against Duke last year, they didn't have that. Where they didn't have that guy who can felicitate into the game and control it, and uh, Chris Mack is not a really, really intense coach either. Like I've seen with other coaches that just scream their heads off and things like that. So I think he's really balanced. So I don't. I I think sometimes you have to, you know, Patino screamed all the time, you right? Know, and. It would it'd be interesting to see how that translates over in this new U of L teams, how well he can keep them motivated and things like that. Now that but, team last year wasn't near as good as this year, so mm-hmm. that's kind of under water under the bridge there. For Louisville basketball and especially the fans, like you said, they gotta temper their expectations. You know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, you know, this team I think, nonetheless, this Louisville team can be really good. They got Jordan Ora and Steven Enoch back, which I wasn't expecting to happen at all. Uh, Jordan Nora and Steven Enoch both declared for the draft, and uh, Steven Enoch came back first. I was expecting to at least one of them come back. But Jordan Nora didn't get a chance to do the draft combine stuff because he hurt his calf. So that's probably why he came back for another season. But I wasn't expecting Louisville to get both of them back. And now that they do, and because both of them came back, especially Jordan Nora, fans are excited. And they should be. This is going to be a damn good team. But at the same time, they have to temper their expectations and realize that they're in the second year of Chris Mack, of the Chris Mack era at Louisville. And a bit of a rebuild, too. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, Patino didn't have him in tip-top shape when he left. Right. So, you know. And another thing to think about, they still have sanctions coming up. Yeah. There's been a, a, t- a couple teams already like DePaul who got in trouble. So, you know, I really think, you know, if the hammer comes down on Louisville, I think they're going to get another postseason ban. Oh man, that sucks. I don't know Chris if it's gonna, I don't know if it's going to be this year. But in the next coming years, you know, they have to think about the sanctions. Yeah. <laughs> and recruits are going to think about that too. So, in uh that's going to come up soon. Like I said, I don't know if it's going to be this year. But in the next coming years, I think sanctions are definitely going to come out soon. Well, it's interesting that some of the information coming out about the, uh, uh, the trustee still, and everything, too. And, the, and a the a member of the trustee uh, paid for the strippers. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, the timing of it, too. You know, They don't know which trustee member it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that's funny. Yeah. I mean, that's just this, you know – that period where Louisville was doing really well with Rick Pitino, and then all of a sudden this all starts yeah. crashing down. It was, it was really and the one time they sad get a great see. recruit, there's money involved, <laughs> proven in a court of law. And like one last thing again before we get into the football season, I think it's BS that LSU's coach and Arizona's coach still have their jobs. Especially uh, Will Wade from LSU. And uh, Sean Miller from Arizona was uh, uh, that proof that he paid DeAndre Ayton, who was a top recruit a couple years ago. Uh, like Paid him like $10,000 per uh, game he played in. It's a modern era. You get a mulligan now. You can mess up once. And then the second time they right. fire you. We were talking about Patino. That just goes to show... Hey, if you have a, if you have a clean history, yeah, you're gonna be fine. It's you okay to it's okay to mess yeah. up once, but <laughs> let's call it what it is. It's cheating. And then you have Will Wade on tape talking about giving a a player a piece of the pie. Yeah, you know what the hell do you think he was talking about? Yeah, BS. you know any person with common sense can deduce and put two and two together to say, hey, he's talking about money. He's talking about giving money to a basketball player who, Auburn good. <laughs> who is still on the freaking team yeah. for next year. And it's ridiculous that both of them still have a job. Yeah. And I think, you know, NCAA is, you know, they're not consistent. You know, like you said, if you don't mess up, if you, if you have a clean history, you've never messed up, you're fine. You well, can mess up it, once and – You'll be fine. You'll still but have your job. I don't mean job. to disagree with you on the NCAA. You're right. But the schools have something to do with this, too. And there's been precedent. And LSU. And everybody's um, following that precedent. And that is, it used to be, you know, in the 80s, if you got busted for any NCAA violations, if they were major, not teaching a kid how to spell on the weekends, but I mean, if you if you're caught giving them money, you're 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 fired, and it just they're going by previous precedent that uh, a coach can mess up and and a major mess up at that, and get away with it, and then they wait for the second time before they finally get rid of them. And what is that? What message does that send out to all the other coaches who are straight? And they're like, well, you know, I'm playing straight and I'm still playing 15 and 15 ball. Why don't I just start giving money until I'm busted for the first time and then just stop? And then I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my school stand by me, you know. So um, I, I definitely think it's, it's, you know, kind of a weird – uh, situation with the NCAA. How you solve that? Do you keep? Do you pay the players? I don't think paying the players will solve it. I really don't because there's going to be some players that are so good that they'll still be in bidding wars where it will go above what they're being paid. You know, and the shoe companies which have nothing to do with basketball. 
you know, mm-hmm. and playing the game. So, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, you. Uh, I hope, you know, with the, you know, possibility of 2022 um, where they allow – uh, high schoolers to come back to go straight to the NBA. I really do think, and I know you agree with me on this, I really do think that's going to solve a lot of the issue. I think so, too. Um, you know, where players can just go straight to the NBA yeah. from high school. And, you know, this, these players are going to these weird schools, and they're not going to top-tier schools. And, you know, we found they're going to Arizona, DeAndre Ayton. He got paid, and he was a number one pick. Uh, Zion Williamson. I mean, I don't. There's been reports of that he got his mother got paid. Um, if he was, if they were allowed to co- go from high school to the NBA, they would have been a top t- top ten pick either way. You know, there's something interesting I wanted to bring to your attention. One sport that doesn't have all these problems with corruption and things like that is baseball. And one of the reasons it doesn't is and football it has, and football and uh, but baseball more than anything. There's a lot of money in baseball, too, just as much as basketball, probably more because there's more players. But in baseball, they have a developed, you know, uh, minor league system where if the person show is good, they can develop them and they can immediately sign them, get them contracts, things like that. And I think I think that uh, the NBA letting kids one come from high school will help. But I think ultimately, too, is developing their minor leagues, their D leagues and things like that, and uh, getting them up to snuff. And, and people interested in going to the ball games just to watch the developmental, the development of a player become a pro player. I, I definitely think that will, that will help, too. So it's yeah. kind of coming from all ways. Right. In 2022, um, we could see – a big uptick and possibly cleaning up a lot of that mess. Yeah. And but like I said, I, I really do think that it's going to clean up a lot of the problems that college, AAU, college basketball has right now. let too, the AAU. AAU's had a lot to do with this too. You know, they're, they're, they have these shoe companies come in and they sign these kids. They're freaking ninth graders. Right. And they're getting shoe contracts, you know, indirectly. So... But, uh, you know, and, hopefully it'll... And, it you know, fans are freaking out and saying, oh, well, college basketball is not going to be fun anymore. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I mean, <laughs> look, the, look, before the one-and-done rule was set in motion, college basketball was just fine. Dude, um, I, and I, I, I don't mean to bring generations in this, but that's a millennial problem. That is not yeah. A, Anybody that's watched basketball college, before that point is college basketball is gonna is going to be just fine. Yeah, and you know it's not going to be every single player going to go who's going to go from high school to the NBA because I think you're going to have to be in a very elite player um, to do that. You're going to have to be really freaking good. Yeah. Um, and I've you know I've told you this. I fully expect the the even the number one and the number two players to go straight to the NBA from yeah. high school, um, if you're that good. But there is, you know, there are some five stars who need college, and they'll go there, and that's fine. And I think another rule that they should um, set in place for 2022, um, if they allow um, high schoolers to go straight to the NBA again, they should allow the college basketball players if they decide to go to college. These high schoolers, they should have to stay until their junior year. I agree. And if you want to compromise, make them stay until their sophomore year. Yeah, yeah. At least two years, I think, the is the min- is year. the minimum. I, I, that would be a wonderful thing. Now, let me tell you, because that's what college football talks does. About risk and everything. Football. And that's what college more baseball risky does. Than playing football. And they got to play three years. I'm thinking about all the injuries they could possibly have and things like that. And people don't look at that. They don't look at football. They they put football on a in a uh, you know a bracket and they set it aside. But it's worked out really well for football. And and, in and college case, baseball too. Sure. Because sure. college baseball does the same thing. Yeah. And and that's what I mean by the the minor league system helping out. If you do have a player 
who is, let's say they're a top 10 recruit and they're just, their skills, their basketball skills are not quite there, but the physically they're there. And someone, a coach can say, you know what? We can bring them into uh, the D league for three or four months, get them up to snuff and then boom, you know, so there's got to be some movement there, I think, uh, with the uh, D-League and, and a, a minor system. And that's ultimately what the NBA's doing. I mean, you know, baseball's been around over 100 years for a reason because all the infrastructure's there. And I think, I think pro basketball, even though it's been around for 50-plus, they still they, – they look with envy on the baseball system, and they want to duplicate that. And I think that's ultimately their goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the farm system. Yeah, because that develops players more than anything, especially in uh, major league. And if the NBA can develop something like that, even the NFL, if they can develop something like that, I wish the NFL had a developmental type thing. But you know, I think it works in MLB. I definitely think it can work in the NBA. And yeah. and like I said, if high schooler. I think another rule is if high schoolers do decide to go to college, stay at least until their junior year. But or you know like a I said, if, you, if yeah. a, a good compromise would be sophomore year. Yeah. Now going to football, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> we love football. I can't. I, this summer's flown by quick. I don't know if you felt that way, but um, boy, it's been a summer too. It's been hot uh, as hell. I've been I worked fifty plus hours, and I'm glad I quit there. But I mean, I did make a lot of money while I'm there, and that's good. But you know, I I worked a lot. That's why I didn't really get a chance to really do a podcast, and um, you know. I'm glad I'm glad I'm getting a chance now and um, definitely going a full swing on things uh, for, as far as the podcast is concerned. Uh, and college football literally starts next weekend with Florida and Miami, which, you know. It's a good game. It's going to be a decent game, plus their rivals. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing about Miami, I was telling you this. So, backstory is a lot of people know uh, Tate Martell was uh, – He's had more of a story, and I'll, after this episode, I'll tell you more of the story of his whole crazy, where he's committed and stuff like that. But So he ultimately decided to go to Ohio State. Uh, Georgia got a five-star, uh, Justin Fields. At, and then Justin at the end of this year, Justin Fields decided to transfer to Ohio State to get more playing time. Tate Martell transferred, and they knew that Justin Fields was more likely going to be the starter. Tate Martell transfers to Miami. Miami just announced he's not going to be the starter. It's going to be uh, redshirt freshman Jaron Williams, <laughs> who was a former Kentucky recruit, by the way. Yeah. Um. So I th- I just think that's funny. Uh, and you know it would be funny if he transferred again because I think I mean if he wanted to I guess he could transfer, but um. The Florida Miami, anyways, the Florida. I just, I just think that's gonna a funny, a funny story. And uh, uh, Florida Miami, I think next weekend. Um, I think that's gonna be a really good game. Uh, Florida's gonna be good this year. I mean, we saw last year after that Kentucky game, Florida was really good. Yeah. Um, and their defense is gonna be back. Even they did lose their starting quarterback for the season. That's he tore his ACL. Which has a little put a little bit of hamper on things, but Florida's going to be good this year. I think I even think Miami is going to get better. Yeah. You know they haven't been the Miami that they were in the '90s and the early 2000s, but Miami's getting back. I think that should be a decent game, and that's a good. I think really do think that's a good start to the college football season. And our local team, uh, um, Kentucky, you know we can rent and wave about last year, yeah, and how incredible that season was. And, um, you know, Benny Snell was, is a legend. You have legends from that team last year that are immortalized in Kentucky history. Uh, with that defense, starting with Josh Allen, Mike Edwards, Dar- uh, Darius West, uh, Derek Beatty, and you have all these legends. And there was a Super Bowl commercial for Kentucky this um, back in February. Is you know, how do you replace legends? And their motto, or some a message that they wanted to get across, and that is, you become one. And I think this season, you know, Kentucky lost a hell of a lot of talent, 
starting with defense, uh, Josh Allen, he's a seventh round pick or a first round pick, seventh uh, seventh pick. You you can't replace that. You can't always replace a first round pick unless you're Alabama or Clemson. Yeah. And I think you know this year a big thing for Kentucky is you know last year they relied on defense so much, and rightfully so. They they saved them in a lot of games. Yeah. This year, it's, you know, in my opinion, it's quite the opposite. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, this offense, you know, with Benny gone now, this offense should definitely change up a little bit. And it becomes Terry Wilson's. This is, yes. Um, this is definitely, you know, the keys have been handed to Terry Wilson. It was Benny Snell's, and now it's Terry Wilson's team. And in order for Kentucky to be successful and, you know, win a decent amount of games, he has to improve. I think that's the major key. That's one of the key points to the season is how much can Terry Wilson improve? And if he does improve, I think we're okay. We're going to be good. But it's, you know, if we're going to be struggling if he doesn't, um, if he doesn't amount to what we think he can be. You know, and we talked about, too, the secondary on the defense of Kentucky and how that's going to affect the offense. You know, the old saying that uh, necessity is, uh, is, is the mother of invention. Well, one reason is is that if they go up against a team that's going to produce uh, via quarterback a lot of points – our defense is Kentucky's going to have to be able to answer back with on the offense side. Offensive side. You know, so. last year we had the def- defense to rely on, yeah. on that could get the offense the ball back. I mean, we got now, stunned th- a lot last year on offense. We got yeah. stopped. Over we were and over a again. lot of the games we were stagnant. Yeah, it was really that, after that South Carolina game. Well, at the second half of that South Carolina game on, where our offense wasn't. And the you know, defense was producing scores, too. Yeah. I mean, they, they were responsible for a lot of the scoring. Good field uh, fumbles, interceptions, things like that. And, so, you know, Terry Wilson, I do think he can be that quarterback for us. He won 10 games for us last year. Yeah. Remember, he, a uh, starting quarterback, got 10 wins. I, you know, I, I think I he's – I just hope he's the type of fella that says, you know what, this is my team. I'm going to meet it. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to run with the ball. Instead of being kind of timid like he was last year. Last year, really and yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, and I think a part of that, I don't think a lot of that is really his fault, that his timidness. And this is his first year in actual college football yeah. where he's playing in the SEC, which is the toughest conference in college football. Yeah. So that's probably a lot of it. But I think another part of it is is Mark Stoops is another one of those stubborn coaches where he wants his offense to run a certain way. And Benny, you know, rightfully so, you get Benny the ball last year. Yeah. I mean, he's been your guy the previous three years at the running back position. Now, you know, like I said, Benny's gone, so where does the offense go from here? And you have a co-offensive coordinator, uh, Crenshaw, uh, who uh, not too long ago just came out and said that they're planning on throwing it 30, uh, 35 to 40 times a game. I would love to see that. Yeah, look, I would love to see that because Kentucky <laughs> used to run uh, an yeah. air raid type of offense. But I think, you know, when I'll believe – they had a stiller quarterback, they did that. Yeah, they had, they had Tim Couch, they had yeah. Jared Lorenzen. Uh, they had these different players who could, you know, have a – RIP, a, by the way. Are definitely yeah. is a Kentucky legend, and it's so sad to see him go at such a young yeah. age. And a personality like him who did so much with Kentucky, he was played on an NFL team – and when you have players like Eli Manning who come to your funeral, that yeah. just shows how much you know you mean to people. Yeah. And he was a good guy, and rest in peace to him. Um, but anyways, um, you have this offense. I'll believe it when I see it. As far as if he throws it, really throws it thirty-five to forty times, uh, thirty-five to forty a, a game. Well, that's gonna be a fun game to watch if they do. Yeah, um, I mean it'll be both terrifying. And exhilarating at the same time. Do I think? Yeah. Do I think? Unknown. Do I think they have the weapons to do it? Yeah. But like I said, I'll believe it when I see it because that's not the type of offense that uh, Mark Stoops has run since he's been at UK. 
it's always been a slow it down, grind it out type of oh, offense yeah. with and, them. And another thing too, you don't have to throw it thirty yards down the field. Oh, you can no, run no, slants, no. you can uh get the tight ends involved. There's a lot of stuff they can do. And that that was one of the things that was so frustrating, you remember last year, I talked about this on the other podcast, is was their inability to give it to the tight end. And tight ends are basically linebackers that can catch. Uh, in some cases, offensive linemen that can catch. Uh, you know, so it, it makes sense to me to kind of keep a good balanced attack. And if they start throwing screens again, Tyler, I swear I'm gonna, I'm my I'm, my head's gonna pop off. <laughs> you know? That's I mean that that was a lot of the offense last year. Just yeah. do a little screen pass to Lynn Bowden, and we'll see what he can do from there. Yeah. A screen pass will either do really good for you, or it, it's gonna be really bad. Well, and the thing is, if you do it over and over again, everybody knows right. what's happening. That's know? why it's I find it so hard to believe that they're gonna throw it thirty-five to forty times a game. Yeah. Um, and he went on KS, Terry Wilson went on KSR and said, oh yeah, that's as real as I can get. We're, we're going to do that. And he said, don't be surprised if we do it. Some games we do it 50 times a game where we throw I, it. I welcome that. I really do. And I, I like an air raid type of offense. Yeah, We're going to need it. Like I said, we yeah. get, we're getting a game against a good quarterback. They're going to run up the score a little bit on our defense because we're lacking in the secondary, but. You know, we are very lacking in the secondary. That's the only thing I'm really worried about. We are really we are razor thin as far as the th- secondary, and losing Devontae Robinson, who's our most experienced guy on the secondary, who is going to be coming back. Um, he was one of the per- people that we couldn't lose, and he's going to be gone for the season because yeah. of a quad injury. Um, that hurts. His injury hurts because he could have sheds. Um, he could have shed some of the mistakes that freshmen would make. Yeah. He could have prevented some mistakes. But now with him gone, you know, you have um, but a lot of – can be good. In yeah. co- I'm not saying it's going to be, but, I mean, they can be very effective early on too. It just depends. It's, it's just an unknown. And I, I definitely think that they will make a lot of mistakes before they get better. But – you know, we talked about uh, – we're going to talk about their schedule a little later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about the scheduling and uh, how that shapes up with the SEC. Um, I think it's definitely going to hurt them a little bit. Uh, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Oh, I was actually about to look at it now. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I <laughs> – um, losing Devontae Robinson does not help at all because, like I said, he's our most experienced guy coming back on the secondary, and him being gone is going to hurt us. And now it forces the freshmen to grow up a little bit, mature quickly. And, you know, we have some sophomores and juniors coming in who don't have a lot of experience, and they're going to have to grow up quickly and be improve a lot in a short amount of time. Um, so that's going to be something that I'm worried about through the whole season is if we go against a team – that has a passing offense. Yeah, we're gonna get smoked, and we're and that's the thing. We're gonna need if that if that's the case, then our offense is gonna have to be able to counter that punch. Yeah, and you know I really do hope that Terry Wilson improves his game. I hope they throw it thirty-five to forty times a game just to sh- switch up the offense a little bit. Let's hope that they're not throwing thirty-five, forty uh, throws a game because they're down three touchdowns. You right. know that that's the thing. You can throw. A lot of teams throw, you know, 35, 40 times a game when they're down three touchdowns. Yeah. And Lynn Bowden's going to be our leading receiver coming back. I think he can be – I think he can do big things next year. Yeah. He's a good kick returner, a good punt returner. Um, out of five punt returns last year, he scored two – he yeah, ran back two for a touchdown. So, I think he's going to be an explosive payer for us. We're kicking away from him too. Yeah. Uh, we're going to need him to be that guy for us. And we're also going to, you know, these other wide receivers, they're going to have to step up. Isaiah Epps, who's going to be gone until at least a Florida game. Um, you have other guys um, like uh, – and we have a freshman coming in, a redshirt freshman coming in, a Bryce Oliver, who I was impressed with him at the spring game. I watched that game, and he looked really impressive. He had like eight catches for 105 yards. So hopefully he can um, step up too and be one of those guys for us. But um, people are really written raving about our tight ends, too, yeah. in which, you know, we didn't use our tight end a whole bunch last year, which <laughs> frustrated me a whole lot last Since year. you had a world-class tight end. Right. Too. And, you know, people are 
especially Vince Merrill, the tight end coach and our, uh, a co-head uh, coach, is, uh, he's excited about the tight ends too, and they think that he can they can be really good. Um, so um, I'm excited. I am excited about the tight ends. I think they're we have depth there. And um, another thing we have depth is our offensive line is going to be really good, mm-hmm. and our defensive line is going to be really good as well. So I think those are also going to be key pieces as far as uh, having a successful season uh, for us. Uh, I think for that UK. Florida game and the Georgia game will be. We'll get to that, but they're going to be really important indicators. Yeah, I, I do, I do too. And uh, looking at our schedule, we start off the season with Toledo in a couple weeks. Um, Toledo is a team that's uh, a lot better than people think they are. Um, I still think we'll win, but it's going to be a good sh- um, a good test to see. Hey, what's what are what is our offense capable of, and just to see how much Terry Wilson has improved since he last played. Do you know so, anything about Toledo and their offense? Um, they are they are an offense that likes to pass it around. Okay, that's well, the thing. So it's going to see how bad our de or not how bad our defense is, but how bad the secondary yes. is. And you know, I like I said, I think either way, I still think we're going to beat Toledo. Yeah. We should, but I think it's going to be a good test. It's going to be a first game, um, and we did get a, a transfer from Troy, who still uh, he's actually a grad transfer, but he has a couple years left. Um. So his name's Sawyer Smith, and people have been impressed with him as well. And don't be surprised if Terry Wilson doesn't, um, and uh, if he doesn't have a good game against Toledo, um, don't be surprised if people say, "Hey, put in Sawyer Smith." But Sawyer Smith likes to throw the deep ball, so yeah. we'll see how that works out. Uh, and then they go to um, they play Eastern Michigan, which that should be an easy win as well. Um, and then they play Florida. Oh boy. Um, you know, we beat Florida at Florida last year, yeah. and I don't see any reason um, why we couldn't beat them this year, especially at Kroger Field. But Florida's going to get is a lot Blood better. Blood water, though. They, they, they so, and they're going to want revenge that. from yeah. last year. So, uh, ultimately, I think we're going to lose that game, unfortunately, but I wouldn't be surprised if we won it either. So, we'll definitely see. I think um, it's an important indicator of how things are going to go. Well, I, I actually um, – scratch that i i definitely think uh the first game if they have an offense to see how we handle it um and you know and and go from there but florida is really going to be the first big test and i wish we played georgia later on in the year but unfortunately we're playing them really early on yeah uh and then we go this is going to be a little bit of a stretch to see how you know what this team is capable of this stretch right here with Florida at Mississippi State and at, at South Carolina. Yeah. South Carolina, uh, we've had their they've number. lost. We've had their number the past yeah. five years, and their people are saying, you know, if South Carolina loses against Kentucky again, their head coach is going to lose their job. I, so I think it's about time to. I really do. So South Carolina, I think they're going to be motivated for that game. I still think we can beat them. I think we're the better team. But they're going to be motivated. It's at home, and they're going to be motivated to win that game. Now, Mississippi State's not slated to have a great year, but it's going to be tough because Mississippi State is a really tough road environment to be in. So that's going to – as far as those games, we'll see how those go. If we can get out of that schedule, you know – Three and two, but before the bye week, I think we'll be fine. Does this sound like a familiar conversation from last year? Had the gauntlet of games, and we right. were, were talking about if they come out with one loss, we'll be really happy, and if they lose two, we're still, be, you know, we won't but be disappointed. Like it, yeah. It, well, if they come back, if they come out three and two out of that stretch, I'll be happy. And before the bye week, I think they're setting up for a decent season. Yeah. But and then you have. Um, after South Carolina, they play Arkansas, which Arkansas, you know, they were two and two and ten last season. So I don't think we should have that tough of a problem um, with them. And then we have at Georgia, which to me I think is only the only guaranteed loss. Yeah, is with uh, Georgia because Georgia's just on a. We saw it last year. They're just on another tier above yeah. us. We're just not quite there yet, even no, though there's we. There's a talent gap. Right. And then we play Missouri at home, which I think that's a very winnable game. The Missouri has Clemson's former quarterback, 
Um, but that's it. I don't. I and they have a good tight end and running back. Again, but again, how re- the secondary reacts, how much they mature, things like that. Will play and that's kind of that later too. in the season, so I hope the secondary kind of yeah, like, you know I wish grows we'd up. Switch Missouri and Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then after Missouri, they play Tennessee. I think this is a year where we really do need to beat Tennessee after yeah. last year. And I think this is the year where we can beat Tennessee because I don't, I still don't think that Tennessee is all that good. And then uh, we play Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt, which you know, again, it's a game that we should win at Vanderbilt. There'll be a lot of blue there too, though. Yeah, yeah. especially in Nashville. Yep. Uh, and then uh, we finish out the season with UT Martin, and then Louisville. Which those are very easy wins. At Florida, I mean Louisville is gonna, you know, close out the show with Louisville. Um, it, but with UK, I think we can have a decent season. It's just a matter of the offense and how much Terry Wilson can improve. Yeah, I think we'll be fine if Terry Wilson improves. I really do. Um, as far as Louisville fans, you know, the main thing I wanted to talk about was Louisville, not just their team, but their fans. You know. The fans are, you know, kind of thinking, well, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Uh, we're going to win six games again. And it's not, not the case. I mean, there can be a culture change from uh, from, uh, from Petrino to Satterfield. There can be a culture change, of course. But that doesn't change the talent at all. He's already warning them. He really is. I think he's already tamping them down and – and warning them that, hey, you know, some of these players are not as good as I thought they were going to be. Uh, the recruits from uh, the Petrino area. Uh, I, I definitely think he is almost – it's almost like he's talking that, hey, I'm going to need some more time. Before the season even starts, most coaches, even Petrino, you know, hyped his team, we're going to be really good and things like that. Petrino even start. predicted last year that they were going to be Alabama. Yeah, nice. Uh, That's how you should have known the season was going to go yeah, downhill. <laughs> yeah. So, Petrino, uh, you know, so when you have a coach coming forward and saying, hey, you know, these guys are not as good as I thought they were going to be, and, and, and rightfully so. I mean, UofL was a, uh, an elite team for a few years there. Uh, come to find out, it was just mainly because they had a great quarterback – um, but for the most part, I think that he's warning U of L fans to say, "Look, it's not going to happen next year. It's just not going to. You guys expecting six wins? Uh, that's not going to happen." And I, I definitely think it's 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 a possibility that they only win two next year, possibly one. Yeah, that is legitimately possible. It's legitimately I'm not saying it will it's, happen. Yeah, that's legitimately possible. I mean, just looking at their schedule, uh, they play Notre Dame, which that's going to be a loss. They play Eastern Kentucky and then Western Kentucky, which those are both games that, you know. There's Louisville, your two wins right there. Those possibly. are your two wins. And then they play Florida State, which they could lose. Boston College, they could lose. Wake Forest, they could lose. Clemson, they are going to freaking lose. Yeah. Uh, and then they play Virginia, which Virginia is actually slated to be really good this yeah. year. Uh, Miami at Miami that they're I Miami's think they're gonna lose that game. Uh, NC State NC they could lose that game. They could they should lose to Syracuse and they should lose to Kentucky. Yeah. I don't see more. Um, you know I'll put the mark at three games. Yeah, that's as much as I'll go. But they're not gonna win more than that because they can lose a lot of these games. They could legitimately um, they could legitimately lose to Western Kentucky. Think about that. They're one and one, Eastern Kentucky and Western Kentucky. How demoralizing is that going to be for the fans, especially when you have the big big dogs coming up? And uh, when I say big dogs, they're not huge, but they're not Eastern Kentucky or Western right. Kentucky. Right. Yeah. And uh, if you lose to one of Eastern or Western, you're like, oh, yeah. I'm, they're not going to lose the Eastern. Teams in the ACC. Yeah. Are better than Western. I don't think they're going to lose the Eastern, but there's a possibility they could lose the Western. Hell, it almost happened last year. But like I said, to round up the the show, I think you know for Louisville they have to give Satterfield a chance. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky gave Mark Stoops a chance, and he led him to a ten win season last year. So I'm not saying Satterfield's going to ever get ever going to get to ten wins with Louisville. But you have to give them a chance to recruit. You have to give them a chance to develop these players so that they can right the ship 
and be where they were. And I don't, you know, maybe Satterfield is the savior, maybe. But you know, you you don't know unless you give them a chance. That's right. And to expect them to be to win six games after a season where they were absolutely pathetic with a two and ten season, and their defense is one. Of, it was a high school defense. Oh lord. And they had they like I said they're gonna have to give Satterfield a chance with this team, and you know. I hope, I hope, I hope, I like it when Louisville's competitive. I like because they can be competitive with Kentucky. It's the same thing with basketball. Yeah. I don't want them to suck. But if Louisville, if these fans really want to feel good, they have to give them a chance and temper their expectations and know, hey, you know, maybe this first year out, we're not going to be that good. But maybe in the years to come, Satterfield can help this team develop where they can be a consistent seven to eight win team a year. Let me just say this, Tyler. If UofL decides to turn on Satterfield, that program is going to crash and burn. Yeah, I agree. So, all right. We'll definitely get more with college uh, football uh, next week. And I really appreciate you guys still sticking around. I'm excited about this college football season and the basketball season. And we got the NBA coming up in a couple uh, in a couple months as well. Um, thank you guys, and until next time, thank you for joining us in the man cave. Just want to thank you guys again for listening to the podcast. And if you want to follow us on our social media, you can find us on our Facebook page at Man Cave Sports Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Man Cave Sports Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Man Cave Podcast. We're uploading stuff every single day. You should definitely check it out. And again, thank you guys so much for stopping by.